said I was a better person than I knew I was. Hey folks, let's spend some time with friends up north. Pat Kreitlow of Up North News is on Lake Minnesota. Kristen Lyerly in OBGYN is on the Fox River. And up on Lake Monaco is Kirk Bangstead of the Monaco Brewing Company. Wherever you are, welcome. You're up north. Won't you let me die happy? Happy, happy, happy. Hey, folks, let's spend some time with friends up north. Dr. Kristen Lyerly is along Green Bay. Kirk Bankstead is making friends all over Lake Monaqua. Luke Mathers has been known to go skinny dipping in Lake Monona. And Pat Kreitlow's pontoon is coming off Lake Wasoda this weekend because winter is coming wherever you are. Welcome. You're up north. Hi, friends. Hello. You brought it back, Pat. You brought it back. Just for you, man. The, the Wednesday night theme is back. And, you know, it's how people know you. They also know how much you like music. And so in the short time we have before our, our guest arrives, we thought it's not enough just to play September by Earth, Wind & Fire. It's time to have a lyrics contest. So welcome you two to my Earth, Wind & Fire lyrics contest. I'm going to read off a lyric. We're going to see which one of you can give the song first. Question number one. We come together on this special day, sing our message loud and clear. Wow. I thought Kristen would be singing it by now. It's like a, it's like a Christmas song. We come together on the special day, sing our message mm -hmm. loud and clear. Luke, give it to him. But solidarity forever. Luke, give it to him. Oh, earth, wind, and fizzle. My schnizzle whistle. <laughs> the correct answer yeah. was, that's the way of the world. All right, let's try. Earth, wind, and fire lyrics question number two. Name oh, this song. Every thought is a dream rushing by in a stream, bringing life to our kingdom of doing. Which earth, wind, and fire begins or not? It has this lyric, every thought is a dream rushing by in a stream, bringing life to our kingdom of doing. I, I'm kind of feeling like at, I'm really not that up on my earth, wind and fire as much as I enjoy it. The lyrics maybe escape me a little bit. So I'm deferring to Kirk on this one. L Luke, let's <sighs> let's give him the answer. Oh, yeah. I never know the lyrics. I just sing along. <laughs> that, of course, was, was fantasy. All right. We'll do, we'll, we'll do one more. Midnight creeps so slowly into hearts of men who need more than they can get. Daylight deals a bad hand to a woman who has laid too many bets. The mirror stares you in the face and says, baby, uh-uh, it don't work. You say your prayers, though you don't care. You dance and shake the hat. You know what? I'm reading it like like Vincent Price is yeah. you know, <laughs> thriller, like thriller. <laughs> or like Hotel California. Midnight creeps so slowly into hearts of men <laughs> who need more than they can get. Yeah, you don't have this at all, dear. Right? Oh man, come on! Uh -huh. This is and, I'll, I'll, this, and you've heard this song one thousand times or more. Play it, Luke. Play it, Luke. Boogie Wonderland. Boogie Wonderland. Who, who listened to these lyrics? They're just out of me, nowhere compared to the let song. Let me give you the answer. Not me even. <laughs> Not me even. But I thought if we're going to play September, we should have a little fun with Earth, Wind, and Fire. And I thought, 
Does anybody know any of the lyrics to any of these, or did we just dance and, and groove to them? And and that's this was the this was my my attempt to remind us all that but there's so many lyrics we still don't know. Well, in some music it's lyric driven and some music is driven by the actual tune. And I think Earth, Wind and Fire is more tune with the lyrics like in the background. Oh, yeah. Whereas, I mean, you got- like, you know, Bob Dylan is more about the poetry and the music is like a secondary thing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, when you talked about midnight creeping across the land, a part of me was like, maybe I should have listened to the lyrics a little bit more. Like <laughs> They were actually something other than somebody singing really high and grooving really, really, really loud. Uh, so. I mean, but. Don't you now, even to this day, uh, a song will come on and and what 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 car commercial was it that the radio they wanted to say was so clear that they were playing Elton John's Rocket Man, and that's when they all went, oh, burning up his fuse up here tonight. And I was just like, I never knew that. I never uh-huh. knew. You know? but that's so we can't. I can't pick on 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 the youngins like Luke who listen to this modern music, and I go, you don't know the words to that, but. Guess what? We didn't either. And we started pretty basic. We we started with she loves you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, and then and then it just got more complex from there. Uh, we're going to take a break in just a second. We're going to gather ourselves. We're going to forget our utter failure at remembering Earth, Wind and Fire lyrics. And we're going to talk to nurse Becky Schachter of uh, she works with UW Health, I believe. <laughs> and is looking for union representation from SEIU Wisconsin. And we're going to talk about the uh, the working conditions that nurses are facing. We know they're challenging, but they could be better. And that's part of what we're going to get at this hour. And, uh, you know, whatever else I can possibly surprise these two very patient people with. We'll be back. You're up north. <laughs> Don't give me no head in powder. Welcome back. This is Up North News for a Wednesday morning. Pat Crightlow, Kirk Bangstead, Kristen Lyerly, and uh, Betty Becky. I'm sorry, Becky Schachter will talk to us in just a minute about nursing at UW Health. Uh, something that we've covered from a, a news perspective lately about the the nurses seeking to have uh, some union recognition. So it's not necessarily for full on collective bargaining, but at least encouraging the discussions that can can better help their work and conditions. And so, Kirk, uh, you reached out and uh, helped provide us with uh, Becky, uh, a nurse, as our guest. So why don't you help set up and introduce Becky for us? Yeah. So, I mean, this was this all started last week when I was talking to so many people about how the current campaigns are just mudslinging each other. And, and then somebody was somebody came to me and was like, didn't Governor Evers just do something really awesome and brought together the nurses at UW Health and uh, the SEIU and the administration at hospitals and kind of like helped avert a strike, which would have hurt all of Wisconsin because nobody doesn't want to have nurses, you know, when they're in trouble. So he's like, I'm like, why aren't we hearing more about this? And so I was like, let's talk about this on this radio show, especially for folks in Northern Wisconsin that, you know, they're maybe, you know, that are potentially out of the loop a little bit more. So, yeah, I mean, just, this is a, just as a lead up, you know, from the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel, um, you know, it's like, Hundreds of Madison nurses seeking to be recognized as a union canceled a three-day work strike at the last minute after Governor Tony Evers called the health workers and their bosses to Maple Bluff over the weekend to hash out a settlement. I mean, that's the news I want to hear. 
uh, 45 days before the election. Um, so, Becky, you are representing UW Health uh, and the and and the the nurses. Uh, can you tell us more about what happened over the last couple of weeks and and seemingly why a crisis was averted? Yeah. So we had we had come to the decision that we were going to have to strike, um, and this was a decision that was a long time in the making. This was not a spontaneous, you know, um, last minute thing. We have been for three years trying to sit down with administration about some really important um, issues that are affecting the community. Um, Mostly patient nurse ratios that have become unsafe. Um, Tons of experienced nurses leaving UW Health and on and on and on. Um, and for three years, we had been told repeatedly, like, no, you can't, you can't sit with us. That's not going to happen. And so we, we came to this decision and then, um, mediation started happening, which was something that none of us had ever been involved in before. And it's a very long, complicated process, um, between, you know, the nurse delegates and the union and then administration and then during that process, Governor Evers was involved and then yeah, ultimately invited everyone to his house um, for actually two different days. And he was just instrumental in um, having us come to an agreement that we could all feel really good about. Um, his leadership was just outstanding. I mean, never in a million years did we think that a politician would be so involved personally and help both sides come to an agreement. It was incredible. Wow. Um, So I want kind of Kristen to chime in on this more than me because she's an OBGYN herself, but can you tell us more about what you personally went through (laughs) in the pandemic and what you had been prom? I want to get more of the backstory on why Sit the situation for nurses had had become untenable, um, and that and 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 why? I mean, it's not like nurses are the type of people that want to strike. I mean, you guys are like the ones who want to help. You guys are willing to take almost anything slung at you in order to in order to help people. So, I mean, obviously, this a break the breaking point like this must have been extreme. And I kind of want to hear more about you know those extremes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, COVID certainly didn't help, but this, um, the problems existed pre-COVID, and we had actually, um, right before COVID started, we had built um, quite a momentum with nurses really being um, excited about trying to get our union recognized again. And then when COVID happened, we sort of stepped back because, you know, we felt as nurses, we really needed to focus on on the pandemic. Um, But Yeah. So my friends in the inpatient, so in the hospital, um, I heard horror story after horror story about what was happening during COVID. Um, You know, the whole issue at the beginning of not having enough masks, having to rewear masks from patient room to patient room, um, just not having enough staff. You know, when you have someone dying of COVID, that pretty much takes your whole shift. I mean, you, you're there, you are gowned up, isolated. And then if you're having like three other patients that you're supposed to be in charge of at the same time, you know, that's just, 
not safe for anyone. Um, but yeah, I mean, part of why we, we came to this decision of, you know, unifying and, and trying to get them to listen to us was that, I mean, patient safety is the top priority. Um, and as nurses, we are trained to be advocates. That's like one of the biggest things. And so we were at a point where we can't let things go on like this. Um, and since we lost our contract in 2014, we have seen so many nurses leave. Um, there have been so many changes to policies and workflows and um, we just, we just felt that something needed to be done to, to help our community. There are so many things that I want to say to you, Becky, as a physician who works very closely with nurses and we work with some of the same people. Let's give a shout out to Dr. Greg Bills. Who oh, that's who me. I work with. Yeah, he's my guy. So, I mean, I, I know how you're tortured by Dr. Bills every day. <laughs> no, but seriously, I mean, the work that you do, it, like Kirk said earlier, nurses go into this profession because they care and they know that their job is to take care of people. And I think what happens is administration takes advantage of you because they know that you're, you are going to do everything you can to make things work on behalf of your patients. And that's when you get stretched thin and staffing becomes an issue and your, your personal schedules become less stable because they're switching you around from this place to that place. Mm -hmm. So can you help us understand a little bit better? I know what your job and inpatient's jobs are kind of like, but can you help us understand a little bit better what some of the major stressors are with like staffing and hours and numbers of patients and all of those things? Give us a, an understanding of how your jobs actually work. Um, so for example, in the clinic, so you kind of, you're asking like, what does my day look like kind of, or yeah, help our audience understand. Like, you know, we all presume that we know what a nurse does, but what yeah. does a nurse really do? Yeah. Well, I, I'll speak to a clinic nurse in particular because I think a lot of people really, even hospital nurses, don't understand really what a clinic nurse does because there are a lot of roles that are sort of behind the scenes. Um, but so I, um, I have a schedule of patients that I see. Um, every day. So patients that are coming in for like their first OB appointment where they meet with a nurse and we go over education, um, kind of what pregnancy is like. So those patients might be on my schedule. I have um, injections, um, patients coming in for IV fluids or to check their incision. <clears throat> so I have a daily schedule. And then on top of that, I um, have to return phone calls to patients um, go co contact patients with their lab results, do uh, disability paperwork. Um, the physicians and NPs will call us in to assist with something. Um, so there's just a lot of things um, that patients don't necessarily even know we're doing. And there have been a lot of cuts. Um, and a lot of nurses that have left, sometimes they're not even the clinics um, or the administration won't even fill those positions anymore. They're just like, well, you guys have been dealing with this for so long. So obviously you don't need uh, another nurse here. Um, and that's it's, some, it's something that you see in a lot of workplaces, frankly, right. that where they say, we've got to cut things back and then you, you have to endure the cutback and they say, well, 
you've done all right. So I guess, I guess you've made do. So, you know, and it, it's just that, that, and, and again, with my being married to an OBGYN as well, and knowing the role of these clinical nurses and those days when you're running one short or maybe two short, and uh, it's not just inconvenient for the OBGYN, uh, certainly for the nurses, but for the patients as well with the, the waiting and everything else. So I guess the way I want to put it back is, is I'm not asking you to speak for administration, but to give people a feel for where, where this whole back and forth has been. It, it it's not so much about malice that they you know want to make your jobs more difficult, but that they're they're operating from a budget standpoint and they feel that these are the the cutbacks that they can that they have to deal with and impose on you. Yeah, I think that that is where they're coming from. You know, I I don't think that there's necessarily malice on anyone's part, but um, you know, businesses are businesses and they need to. Um, operate as such. And so um, I think that I think that that has been what's driven a lot of these cuts and changes, I think is is money. Um, but I'm really optimistic with this agreement that we've come to because um, we finally have a seat at the table and we have our union voice back. And so we are um, going to be uh, Actually, in the next couple of weeks, we're sending out surveys to the nurses to um, write down what uh, issues they feel are most important that we need to address immediately. And we're going to we're going to start doing that and we're going to make changes. And um, it's just ultimately going to help all of us. Right. And that's what this comes down to for people who are wondering, well, what do you need a union to, to do that for? Why can't the, the nurses just explain what the situation is? But Again, in so many other workplaces, and certainly the case here as well, it's one thing for you know an employee here and an employee there to say something. It's even you know one thing to have a strongly worded letter by you know half of the workforce. But when you can have that union that helps bring people together, streamline an argument, speak with one one voice, uh, that's you're, you're, are you saying that that's where you feel the conditions are? Is that you need that stronger? almost singular voice on behalf of nurses. Yeah. Um, oh, does someone, Kirk, did you want to chime in? Oh, no, I was, uh, oh. I didn't know you were on the chat. I just wanted to. Oh, so, okay. Uh, Sorry. Go I, for yeah. it. Yeah. Answer the question. <laughs> um, so, yeah. So since our contract ended in 2014, they, we've had this thing called shared governance, um, which we were told was the, was now our new voice. It was going to take the place of our union voice. And it just has not, been effective in the way we want it to be. Um, you know, not that it's all bad, but ultimately when we have these meetings, um, it's still run by the managers, the managers determine the agenda. Um, and so, uh, so it really is just about making it more, more of a collaborative process. Yes, exactly. And that's what, that's what we're, we're shooting for here. Okay. So uh, Becky Schachter is with us and we will discuss more about uh, trying to bring better working conditions to nurses there and across Wisconsin right after this break. You're up North. We are joined uh, this hour by Be uh, Becky Schachter, who is an OBGYN nurse with UW Health. 
Uh, I'm married to an OBGYN. Kirk is dating an OBGYN. Kristen Lyerly is an OBGYN. So we're going to open up a, a new weekly show called Your Uterus is Not New to Us. And, uh, I love it. I'm just going to make it an insider industry chat uh, every week. Yes, finally. Finally. She's been pushing that for so long. Have you been waiting to say that on, on air nope, for just like popped, years? Just Your uterus you never... is not new to us. <laughs> That's brilliant, man. I'm making a t-shirt with that. <laughs> Returning now to our serious topic of labor conditions. Um, Kristen, we were chatting during the break about how that Becky's mentioned a couple of times a contract that expired in 2014. And yet one of the core issues here and the reason that this is um, still kind of in, 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 in progress, shall we say, is the whole question of what role does Act 10 play in all of this? And so, Kristen, that's what you and I were talking about, Act 10 versus the, the contract that went till 2014, right? Right. So back in the day before I trained in medical school, I was a, a medical assistant at the UW and I was a member of the union and it was a strong union. It was an important union. I mean, that was a long time ago. But Act 10 happened in 2011. Your union contract expired in 2014. Then it was shared governance. It's all kind of confusing, and the entire political landscape has changed with regards to collective bargaining over the last 15 years. How? Give us, a, if you can, a little historical context of where we were then and how we got here. Yeah, so I have actually been a, a nurse at UW Health for 25 years total, so I was there when we had the union, and I was... Um, you know, a union member and, and active then. Um, and so just to kind of tell you like what I feel some of the differences are. So back when we did have a union, um, definitely things felt much more collaborative, um, especially with the relationship between nurses and management. Um, and it really seemed like we were more of a family and we, we had real, impact and influence on on what was affecting us and patients and since uh the contract ended and we've started shared governance there's definitely been this clear divide between management and nurses um which has really felt awful to be honest um but so yeah speaking about act 10 you know i'm clearly not a legal expert but um our contract was up in 2014 we kept being told, you know, sort of that, well, we're not allowed to um, have a union anymore. Um, it was all so confusing. You know, I think everyone was kind of like, okay, yeah, I guess we can't have a union. Um, but then now in recent years, more and more legal minds have looked into this and um, including um, Attorney General Josh Call, who his opinion is that actually um, because we are this strange type of organization called a public authority. Yeah, you know, that's very complicated. But anyway, his opinion and uh, many other lawyers have said that actually um, University Health can recognize our union. They're just choosing not to. Um, and so with all of that, now that's sort of what helped us um, build this momentum and really start working towards this. and. So now our agreement that we've come up with with UW Health is that we can, if effective immediately, we can become members of our union. 
Um, and they have agreed, the administration has agreed to have these meet and discuss meetings with us effective, you know, immediately to start talking about the issues. And we have agreed, both sides have agreed that we are going to um, have an expedited process with the Wisconsin Employee uh, Relations Work. The uh, Wisconsin Employment Relations Commission. Yes. Um, That we're going to, we're asking them to um, recognize that um, we are covered under the Wisconsin Peace Act. Um, We should have their ruling by the end of October. And we're confident that they will um, agree with us and with um, Attorney General Josh Call and that, yes, we are covered. And at that point, we will hold an election and um, our steps towards real collective bargaining will continue. Because it had been the the administration's view as, you know, well, because of Act 10, we're not even allowed to, you know, discuss anything that might be related to unions when, as you note, as being part of a, of a quasi-public-private, you know, group called the, the Health Authority, you're not public employees in, in the actual, in that actual sense of the word. And so it was, it was I think, really good leadership on the part of the governor to say, how about mm-hmm. if we let the Wisconsin Employment Relations Commission study this whole matter for you? And I think it's a real credit to the nurses that, you know, you didn't just say, no, we, you know, we're going to make this point, even if we have to do this three day strike, you, I mean, you, you really let cooler heads prevail. Yeah. I wanted, I wanted to chime in and uh, I'm so glad Kristen, you started this segment off asking about act 10 because notice what's happened since act 10, this has been a decade uh, ago and we have droves of nurses leaving the profession mm-hmm. because they've been, they've been, their unions have been taken away and we have droves of teachers leaving the profession because their union uh, was taken away from them. Like neat nurses and teachers. <laughs> I mean, like, like the oldest professions in the book that help people uh, that we need as, as a society. And, uh, and those two, two professions, which we need so desperately are running away from Wisconsin. So, I mean, if, his, if history can teach us anything, it is that we have to have unions. We have to let the small voices who shape our children and, and protect our health be able to fight, you know, to have normal lives, to not have to be over, worked like slaves and, and to be able to have a voice in their own destiny. And I, this is so glad i'm so glad this is happening it's happening around the country right i mean what else there aren't these nurses unionizing everywhere what's going on with the rest of uh, the country here yeah so just last week um there were approximately fifteen thousand nurses in minnesota that were striking and we actually um got to know some of them so in the weeks leading up to our potential strike we had um this one amazing nurse who we now call Minnesota Mary. She's like our mascot. So she took time out of her busy schedule, you know, getting ready for their strike to do a zoom meeting with us. And it was, she was such a great speaker. It was very emotional. Um, and she was in full support of us. And so then we actually also sent a group of nurses, um, the first day of their strike, um, took a caravan over there and, and joined the picket line with them. Um, this whole process has been so empowering and the, um, yeah, just seeing all of these other, you know, railroad workers, um, you know, they were going to go on strike, but it sounds like that, you know, they didn't have to in the end. 
um, workers like at Starbucks. Um, you know, this is a huge movement right now. And people are frustrated, people are speaking up, and we're starting to get people to listen. So like with our situation, really, when you think about it, this is like historic. This is amazing what we were able to do when we were actually just six weeks ago, um, we were told like, nope, you're never going to have a union. Like it's, we're not going to sit down with you. It's not going to happen. And we were so powerful. We were so united. So many nurses joined this movement and we're just so happy with what we ended up, you know, agreeing to, we didn't have to strike because of course none of us wanted to do that. That was, you know, the last resort. Um, but this is huge. Like this is huge to show workers that when you stand together, you can um, make changes. So I have a question for you about how this relates to other groups of nurses. This is not a problem in Madison alone. How can other, I mean, I was just talking with one of my friends who's a doula up here in Green Bay, and she was talking about the turnover in nursing here in this smaller community where we don't have the same resources that you do in a bigger city like Madison. How can what you're doing translate to other places? Are there opportunities for people to put their voices together? People who work in nursing and education, where it's service, you go into it because you care, but you're also, you need that additional ability to use your unified voice. So what what would you recommend? How can others do it? I don't know if I have the perfect answer, but I mean, I mean, you can give anyone, you know, my contact information and I will help get them set up with, you know, um, our union, which is SCIU, um, you know, they would be happy to reach out and try to figure out how can these smaller communities organize? um, What do they need to do to, to also become members of a union? Um, we're, we're willing to help anyone. Um, so yeah, you know, have them reach out to, to unions, um, specifically SEIU, just because that's, that's ours. But, um, yeah, you know, once you become active in this labor movement, um, we, it's a family and we, we support other unions, other workers, like it's, we're all here for each other because we're all advocating. So Becky, I wanted to talk to you because what you're saying is, is about nurses and about workers. And yet, yet the word union and labor is, is like a boogeyman for Mm -hmm. the Republican party. But this isn't about, this isn't about politics for you. It's about your life, right? I mean, it's about, and it's, it's a, so, so, I mean, luckily, I'm getting back to where we started, you know, Governor Evers brought you guys to the table, brought management to the table, brought you guys to his house, and he didn't have a news, I don't, for, from, you know, from all I know, like, he didn't bring the reporters there, nope. you know, <laughs> he was like, we need to get you guys to talk to each other, and so, so we can solve these problems. He didn't bring reporters, he didn't necessarily want to make this partisan either, from what I can, from what no. I can gather. Um, just imagine, I mean, given that labor is in and of itself a boogeyman and it shouldn't be, it should be workers' rights. Like, can you imagine what it would have been like to try to get Ron DeSantis to bring, to, you know, to, to get around a table, you know, 
you know, a lightning rod politician who is more about performance art than about solving problems. I mean, can mm -hmm. you imagine trying to achieve anything in that situation? Yeah, it's, we were we were so fortunate to have to have Governor Evers, and yeah, there was no press there. This was it wasn't like he he pre planned this. It was they had been mediating one day for four hours um, in different. He was in a different location, I believe, and then um, ultimately said, "Hey, you guys, just let's just come to my house. Like, let's hash this out here." Um, and you know, one one of the nurses there was like you know, after like eight hours in or something happened to ask him, Hey, do you have any diet Cokes? And he like went and got her diet Coke. I mean, it's like, you know, just a normal guy that was doing his job of helping these two, these two sides come to an agreement. It was, amazing. yeah, I don't see, I don't see Ron DeSantis doing that. I, <laughs> I, I don't. Kristen, you got one to, to wrap up with. I just wonder what was that moment for you where you were like, it was the catalyst moment where you knew that this was the right direction you were headed in? Was it a person? Was it a thing? Was it an event? What was that thing? Um, so, I mean, it was a lot of things, um, but probably the, the catalyst moment was when I was, we were having a staff meeting to talk about these, these surveys that they give us, um, which is another part of shared governance. They give out these surveys every few months where we're supposed to, answer questions like, do you feel administration listens to you? How, um, like, do you feel energized to come to work each day, blah, blah, blah. And so we had a staff meeting just to talk about those questions. And so the manager asked, you know, why do you guys think you answered these so negatively? Um, no one was saying anything for a long time. Finally, I piped up and, and honestly said why I thought people answered it that way. Then the next day I got an email that I was called into um, my manager's office, oh, meet with okay. her and um, her supervisor. And they basically lectured me about. Um, I, I could see that. Up. I could see that being a, a touch mode. Do you, you want to hang around for just a bit? We'll ask you a, a, one more question on the backside yeah. of the break here. Yeah. Thanks, Becky. Uh, sure. Let's do that. We'll be back in just a bit. You're up north. You know, there's only so many times you can tell people to stand by, and yet they they continue to prattle on. And if you if you heard some of what that was right before we came back, uh, you know, my my apologies. It was completely out of context. Um, Becky, the the break got in the way before we could wrap up our final yeah. question with you. But you 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 were the one that actually spoke up and uh, thought you were going to be disciplined, you know, for speaking up. And that to you was was kind of the moment that you know this is not something you can let go when it mm -hmm. comes to the fight for better working conditions. Yeah, exactly. And um, it was it was clear to me that the the purpose of the staff meeting, which they said was to get our our feedback um, on how we feel, they they really didn't want our feedback clearly, or they wanted answers that they wanted to hear. And so um, I had this meeting. I wasn't allowed to bring anyone with me, which you know that's part of our agreement now um, is that we are working with administration to have like a peer to peer support process. Like when we, you know, had our union before. Um, and yeah, so it was just clear that this was disciplinary and that uh, I was being told to um, be a role model for my, my peers and that um, there's a time and a place to speak up, which was ludicrous because that was the time and place. That's what they exactly. said. <laughs> so, 
that was sort of the last straw where I was like, we can't let this go on. You know, how can we advocate for our patients and for ourselves in this kind of environment? You know, we need, we need to do something. Good and you. ironically, you became a bigger role model and you found exactly. the right time and the right place to speak up. And we yeah. are so grateful to you for doing that because it makes a huge difference throughout our community. Well, we really you. do. We, we appreciate it, Becky. Thanks so much. We hope we get some uh, really good news from an update from you uh, before too terribly long. But thanks for being yeah. here today. Thank you for having me. I'd love to All come right. back. Okay. Can't Bye. wait. Thanks, Becky. I, I think that... Well, again, this whole notion of if for all the people that tell us, you know, that that business knows best and supply and demand and market forces, I've said it before, but I'm going to say it again. When you've got something like a, a, a nurse's shortage and these are quality healthcare professionals, why wouldn't you want to be the market leader then instead of looking for ways to make conditions worse and tell them to make do with less? Mm -hmm. Why wouldn't you want to be the place that says, hey, if you're a nurse or whatever position we're talking about, you want to be here. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's you can you, you can nickel and dime yourself to, to death from a corporate standpoint, uh, whether you're a public private health entity or, or private sector. And I I would hope that this worker shortage all across the, the spectrum would inform more employers in, in that way. Well, so. and you know what Becky didn't get into because she's a clinic nurse, nurses who work in the hospital, even before COVID, they would shift around these nurses, the work hours, they would bring people in, they would try to staff according to how many patients were on the unit. But because they staffed so tightly, nurses were always feeling overburdened, even before COVID. We had a nursing shortage before COVID. But now, burnout is at an all-time high amongst nurses, and 50% of nurses are actively considering leaving the field. This is at a time when we don't have enough nurses to begin with. So what they're doing in Madison will hopefully sustain our nursing population, make them healthier so they can continue to take care of us. This comes back to benefit all of us. If right. There's the spillover effect is that it, it's not that you're going to see unionized nurses uh, all across rural Wisconsin, but they'll see what's happening in those larger markets and say, again, if I don't want some of my best people leaving for Madison, maybe I need to step up here. Mm -hmm. Kirk, the tap room is going to be closing after this weekend. What, what, what are you going to do with the what do you do with, with all that spare time? <laughs> well, there may or may not be an election happening in November, Pat. So uh, <laughs> the, uh, I, I mean, the, the whole point of the Monaco Brewing Company is uh, activism through beer. It's not necessarily beer first and activism second. So um, obviously I make a living doing it and I want to sell beer, but uh, this is the most important. This is a culmination of about two years of, of really hard work. Uh, and so I'm going to be I'm going to be doing my damnedest to make sure that Wisconsin doesn't fall. Uh, our democracy doesn't fall and we have to get elect Evers. We have to elect Barnes and we have to make sure that we got enough Democrats in the assembly and the Senate that they can't veto uh, a guy who's our last hope at keeping a democracy in Wisconsin. So that's going to I'm going to be doing that after the tap room closes. And did you catch what was key in what she said was, this is about having conversations, actually have that conversation so that management is hearing what the employees want. And earlier in the show, we talked about the Dunn County Board, having that conversation that led unanimously to put that healthcare referendum on the ballot. What you're seeing when we talk about attacking democracy, election integrity, 
is they're looking to not have conversations. Ron DeSantis wouldn't have a conversation with the nurses. He'd look for a reason to fire them. Uh, you know, that's the difference between governing and ruling. Some people just want to rule. There will be no conversations. When you're governing, you can actually have those conversations that that lead to something more productive. That's the whole point. I mean, that's the whole reason why people feel so disenfranchised with what's happening in the world right now. That's how Trump got elected. People look at the leaders and they think that leader doesn't represent me. The whole system is broken. I don't have a voice. I want somebody from outside. And if you look at Tim Michaels and if you Google Michaels, the first thing you see is Tim Michaels, outsider. That's the number one thing that he is promoting. And he is an outsider because he's from he's, Connecticut. But he's, like, he's, yeah, but. <laughs> But he's no political outsider. But That's you're, you're so right, Pat. There is always a negotiation to be had. Uh, you know, coming back to unions versus I, I am I am the president of a, the Monaco Brewing Company. We are told there are certain ratios of labor to labor costs to profits that those are benchmarks. Those are just benchmarks. And that's what people in management get it in their head that this we have to just do this because these are the things we've been taught in business school. We can always break that stuff, especially when people are leaving the professions in droves. Yes. Uh, in order to in order to exist in society, we have to keep workers happy and healthy, and 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 you, we get so much more productivity out of that if they are happy and healthy. And so, and just just like government, just like business, just like anything, the conversations have to happen, and we have to work through hard issues together. Right? I got I got one more lyric contest for you, and I promise this one is not Earth, Wind, and Fire. Duran Duran is it Duran Duran? No, it's not. Um, but this one, I thought about this for Kirk. How do we, how do we sign off from, from, you know, a conversation with Kirk? And I thought of this song lyric, the beer was empty and our tongues were tired and running out of things to say. Whoa. I didn't cue this one up for Luke. So he can't play the clip. Daniel Fogel, Dan Fogelberg, uh, same old this anxiety. Is like, this is like <laughs> the yacht rock song for new year's Eve. It is. It's, it is totally. It's the, it's, it's the anthem. The beer was empty and our tongues were tired and running out of things to say. Why wasn't that our sign off on the Wednesday night's show when you could drink beer during the uh, show? We can't oh, yeah. drink beer now. You should have told me. Let me rephrase that. The Bloody Marys were empty and our tongues were tired because <laughs> you know, this is a morning show. Uh, thank you friends. Let's do it again next week. All right. Sounds have a wonderful that. weekend. And, uh, as goes Wisconsin, up next on many of these fine radio stations. Enjoy the rest of your Wednesday. We'll see you tomorrow.